welcome to another episode of Give Em Hell, Brigham. It's a little bit of a different episode this week. This is Jeff flying solo. This is something I've never done before. A solo podcast. I feel a little bit like Colin Cowherd, but I don't think that I am going to be as good as Colin Cowherd. Not today. You know, if Garrett keeps having kids, maybe I become as good as Colin Cowherd. Maybe down the road, we're talking about the Jeff Hansen show. But today, it's Give Em Hell Brigham brought to you by Jeff Hansen. And this is a little bit of a scary thought for everybody, and I want to apologize in advance. Normally, Garrett's role on this show is to bring the knowledge. I mean, he really is the source of knowledge on the show. But in addition to that, he keeps me in check when my rants, when they get a little long-winded, when my hot takes get a little bit too hot. I could talk about cheese pizza forever. You guys already know that. Garrett is the one who's responsible for keeping me in check. So that's not there today. I am unhinged. This is unfiltered and unmitigated takes by Jeff Hansen. That is what we're here to talk about today. And I'm excited. I'm excited to try this out. I'm super excited for Garrett. We cannot start this show without acknowledging what has happened that is, that is causing and giving us this opportunity for an unhinged and unmitigated Jeff. It is Garrett, the birth of his son, Baker McClintock. He is the Hellion of the Week. Really, Baker is the Hellion of the Week, but really, Allie, Garrett's wife, should be the Hellion of the Week, and we can make them co-Hellions of the Week. But Baker McClintock has joined the earth. He has redeemed 2020. 2020's been a miserable year for everybody, but Baker McClintock came into the world in 2020 so it's a little bit better than it was or than it seemed like it would be just a few weeks ago. All things are good. Baker Porkchop McClintock, 20 and a half inches long, eight pounds, nine ounces. That's a big baby. That is a large, healthy American child. That is a, that is a future offensive line, right? I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. That doesn't scream wide receiver numbers. 20 and a half inches long at this point in his life doesn't seem like he's going to be that 6'5", Mitch Matthews type receiver. I just don't see it. I don't see it. But 20 and a half inches long, 8 pounds, 9 ounces, knocking on the door, or 9 pounds, absolutely I can see offensive linemen in that future. In fact, Coach Mateos on Twitter, he already is excited about the potential of a walk-on offensive lineman one day. Now, I don't want to judge Baker's um, athletic ability. It's far too early. Maybe he got a whole lot of, of Allie's genes, and maybe he is a scholarship caliber player. But if we judge him solely on his genes from his father, yeah, walk on. Walk on makes a lot of sense, and that's okay. You know, how many of us wish we could have been walk on football players at BYU? That's a great accomplishment. Sometimes walk ons, you know, JJ Watt, he was a walk on. Walk ons aren't bad. You can be a walk-on and do big things. So Baker McClintock, a future walk-on offensive lineman. He's doing well. Baby is healthy. Mom is doing well. Dad, dad didn't do anything, but he's also doing well. All reports from the McClintock household are that things are great. Uh, we want to read the recruitment, well, I guess the commitment note from Baker, uh, put on Garrett's Twitter account. He says, first, 
I'd like to thank God for everything he has blessed me with, especially with my family. Second, I'd like to thank all the coaches that invested their time in me and my film and wanting to see me succeed at the next level after many conversations with Coach Mateos and Coach Tatake and much prayer and discussion with my family. I am proud to announce my commitment to Brigham Young University as a member of the class of 2038. I am grateful for the opportunity to play for a school whose mission I believe in and represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hashtag go Cougs. I got a hunch that dad helped Baker write that. He was a little bit preoccupied this week with being born, but big honor. Congratulations to the McClintock family and congratulations to Allie, especially uh, for getting through childbirth. It's a crazy, crazy ordeal. And every time I have three kids myself, I'm amazed at how that process works. I really am amazed. Women amaze me that you guys are able to do that. So congratulations to Garrett. Uh, they are our Hellions of the Week. We did have one other nomination and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it. Uh, I want to mention it just briefly. Um, although their impact is more than brief. They deserve, they deserve to be talked about at length. Uh, they're known on Twitter as the tailgate mafia, and I'm not going to single any one of them out because I don't know necessarily who the individual was that, you know, that, that did what we're going to talk about today, or if it was primarily one person or if it was a group of people. I don't know what the division of responsibility was in this, but we talked about uh, Kelly Woodall last week her mom, Pam, uh, she passed away last week after a fight with cancer. The tailgate mafia knows the Woodall family. They went out of their way to surprise Kelly with, uh, we'll call it a care package of BYU gear, BYU stuff, pictures, and things like that. They snuck into Kelly's garage while she wasn't there, set up this, uh, this, this care package for her, and when Kelly got home, uh, as she said on Twitter, it made her cry. That's what the tailgate mafia does. They refuse to stop doing good things until somebody is ready to cry. Uh, so really cool thing that they did. Uh, so the tailgate mafia as a whole, again, we're not going to single any individual out, but the tailgate mafia as a whole, you guys have done a lot of really good things quietly behind the scenes. We want to talk about you a little bit today and, and shed some light on some of the good things that normally don't get recognition like that. So, uh, those are our Hellions of the Week, and I think they're worthy recipients of the Hellion of the Week. I'm really enjoying the nominations that we're getting. Please continue to submit those nominations. We've had more nominations in the last two weeks than we've had in the previous 10 weeks of doing this show. So continue to submit those, those nominations. It goes a long ways. Okay, moving on. Quarantine Kitchen. Garrett's not here, so who knows how far down this rabbit hole I'm going to get. Hopefully not very long. Uh, but I want to talk to you about something that everybody knows. Everybody who's got a smoker has done pulled pork. Now, pulled pork has always kind of been, it's like the McDonald's cheeseburger of barbecue in my eyes. It's good. You're never going to turn it down. If somebody hands you a double cheeseburger from McDonald's, you're not going to say no but you're never going to sit in your bed and lie awake at night craving a McDonald's cheeseburger. I would argue that the McDonald's cheeseburger is the best burger you can buy for $1.19, but at the end of the day, it's a burger for $1.19. It's not that $6 cheeseburger that you're going to get from somewhere else. And that's kind of what pulled pork is. So I made some pulled pork 
uh, a few weeks ago, and it was fine. You know, it was like pulled pork that I've always made. It was fine. Feeds a lot of people. And I tweeted about it after that pulled pork is one of the most overrated things about barbecue. And some people, they agreed, some people disagreed, but there was one person, I don't even remember who it was, but what he said hit me to the core. He said, pulled pork where I come from is one of the best things you'll ever eat. You need Carolina pulled pork. And I've had Carolina pulled pork. Carolina pulled pork, the rub is not that traditional barbecue rub. There's a lot more salt. And it's mostly uh, all about the mop, the barbecue mop, that you have a vinegar-based barbecue sauce, and you're going to mop throughout the cook. And then you put a little bit of that vinegar-based barbecue sauce in the, por- in, the, in the pork after you pull it when it's all done. And it, it's good. I'd had it before, but in my mind, I couldn't remember ever cooking Carolina pulled pork. I'd always just done it the traditional way, throw on a bar- uh, any barbecue rub that you like, usually a lot of brown sugar, some paprika maybe, throw that on, stick it in the smoker, wrap it up, pull it, you have pulled pork. So I made it a quest. Carolina pulled pork was what I was going to do, and that's what I did. Carolina pulled pork, one thing I like to do with my Carolina pulled pork is I like to, well, and really with pulled pork in general, I, I hate the fat. The fat of pulled pork is gross. It, it's just not good. And so the fat renders, a lot of fat renders from that pork butt, but it still makes the meat a little bit of a funny consistency, and I did not like that. So I trimmed the fat a little bit more than I normally would. Not the fat cap, the fat everywhere else. We'll talk about the fat cap in a minute. And then you get a vinegar-based barbecue sauce that's going to be your mop sauce. And every hour on that cook, you're going to go out and you're going to mop this sauce on there. You can make your own. It's really easy to do. Apple cider vinegar, usually some brown sugar, red pepper flakes, ketchup. You blend it all up in a mason jar. Or shake it all up in a mason jar. Let it come together. And boom, you have your mop sauce. Every hour that that pork butt is on the smoker, you just go out and you mop the pork. And over the course of that eight, nine, ten hour cook, the the meat really takes that vinegar. It starts to break it down, and it it, it gives you a different style of flavor than you get if you just do a regular barbecue rub. So Carolina pulled pork. That's what I made this week, and it was great. And all things barbecue, they're great. I think if you are a barbecue fan at all, you need to check out their YouTube channel. They taught me something once about fat caps, that the best thing to do with a fat cap on a pulled pork is to grill, to do the whole cook with the fat cap down. And then when you're done, before you pull the meat, your fat cap will get a little bit crispy. So you pull that off in one big sheet. And then you peel off the fat that's underneath that crispy layer, that really thick bark that shows up on that fat cap, get the fat off the bottom, and then dice up that crispy part of that fat cap, put it back into your pulled pork, gives you a little bit of crunch with your pulled pork. That, my friends, is Carolina pulled pork. It's delicious. And so I had that this week, and I, I felt like I needed to apologize for pulled pork for saying that it was overrated. Regular pulled pork, very overrated. Carolina pulled pork, very underrated. It needs to be a staple in all barbecue pitmasters repertoire. 
It changes the whole pork. It was delicious. We'll post a video uh, in the show notes of All Things Barbecue and their Carolina pulled pork recipe. I really follow that to a T. They did, I think just recently, they did a new video. I think they've had one out for years that I've followed. They just recently did one. We'll post that link out in the show notes so that you can get um, a firsthand look at what this looks like and how it's made. It's absolutely incredible. Okay, moving on to some football talk. Time for our weekly Will Football Happen update. And we really don't know anything more today than we knew last week. Uh, in fact, the conferences don't know anything more today than they do or than they did last week. They have kicked the can down the road, as they say, uh, and have deferred. Initially, they were all trying to have decisions made by the end of July. The Power Five conferences that have not made decisions, so the SEC, ACC, and Big 12, They've kind of bonded together, and they are going to make decisions, it sounds like, next week. I don't know how much longer they can delay this decision. Teams are practicing, and we're going to talk about BYU a little bit here in a minute. They've started practicing, and that's great. But nobody's made final decisions on actual games. Nobody's made final decisions on the structure of games. We don't know if the SEC is going to play a conference-only slate. It's been talked about. There's been reports that they are considering that. They might play a conference-only plus one, which would really benefit BYU. The Big 12 has had some of the same discussions. We've seen those reports leak out. We don't know what those conferences are going to do. And because of that, BYU is in a little bit of a tough spot. I firmly believe that Tom Homo has his schedule ready to roll. That if it were solely up to Tom Homo, he would announce 10, 11, 12, I don't know, however many games. He's got them done. He's got agreements in place. And he has the schedule ready to go. But if those conferences don't know what they're going to do, how can Tom Homo release another schedule only to have it get canceled? He then has, you know, egg on his face, right, of a second schedule getting canceled. That he didn't have the foresight to see that football wasn't going to happen or whatever. So, we we have to wait. That's what we have to do. We have to wait. It's a bummer, but we have to wait. And at this point, no inside information on who... BYU is going to play really matters. We could say today, definitively, like all the rumors have, that BYU is going to play Alabama week one. But it doesn't matter if the SEC goes conference only. We could say that we think BYU is going to play Oklahoma State in a week zero game. But it doesn't matter if the Big 12 doesn't play non-conference games. That's what we're waiting for, folks. That's, that's what we're waiting for. And as of this recording, there has not been anything definitive that has been decided by any of those conferences. So BYU is in a sit-and-wait mode. They have really no control over their fate. I think they have controlled as much as they can, but ultimately they have no control over where they go from here. But they are practicing. The team is back. It's mandatory practices, and it's it's awesome. Uh, football is really close. You've seen some pictures from BYU football social media accounts. 
that team, the team and players are wearing masks while they are running sprints. It looks a little bit different. Football in 2020, it's got to be different, but it's still football. Uh, at this point, because of the NCAA rules, there's still no pads. Everybody's going through uh, their conditioning, their moratorium process where they have to do a certain amount of conditioning before pads can be put on. So it's hard. There's, you know, there's no, obviously, media availability. No, there's really never any insight. The media gets to see maybe you know, 15, 20 minutes worth of practice, and it's hard to draw any real conclusions from that, but that's gone now. Everything's going to be digital going into 2020. So it's hard to make any of those, those kinds of, uh, ins have any of those kinds of insights because we're not seeing practice play out. And especially hard during this first week when there's no pads and it's a lot of conditioning, skeleton drills, things like that. Now, that said, we do have a morsel of inside information. Um, sources have told us Cody Epps, Micah Harper, Jacques Wilson, newcomers into the program, that they look great, that they look like they are ready to compete for playing time. Does that mean that they're going to be starters? No, not necessarily. Does that mean that they're ready for the physical aspect? No, we don't know. They don't have pads on. But that means that those three, from what I've heard from various sources, those three players have been singled out as guys who came to the program and looked like they were ready to compete for playing time. That's a big deal. You know, Micah Harper, Jacques Wilson, both cornerbacks. Uh, BYU always needs depth in the defensive backfield. They always need depth at the cornerback position. If those two could prove that they are ready and able to make contributions on the field this year, that's huge. That is a huge boom for BYU. But Cody Epps, that's going to be the name that everybody wants to talk about once practice starts. That's going to be the name that everybody wants to see on the field in some capacity once games start, practices and pads start. Everybody wants to see the big-time wide receiver out of modern-day high school, Cody Epps. And for him to already uh, have feedback about him, that he looks like he's ready to compete for playing time, that is a big, big deal. Now, we'll see what happens. Maybe he's not ready for the physical side. Maybe things change once pads get put on. But as things stand right now, Cody Epps doesn't look like a true freshman. I think maybe that's the best way to put it. Cody Epps does not look like a true freshman who's wide-eyed and overwhelmed coming into his first week of football practice. That's a big deal. Modern Day continually plays some of the best high school competition in the country. They are one of the premier programs in the country. And Cody Epps was an absolute standout at that program. If he's ready to play, that goes a long ways in helping BYU have success in the passing game this year. We know about BYU's receiver situation. Neil Pau is going to play. Dax Milne is going to play. Gunnar Romney is going to play. Those are your three guys that really that's your core foundation. Somebody else has to step up. Maybe it's Chris Jackson. Maybe it's uh, Keanu Hill. But maybe it's Cody Epps. And if more than one of those slatter three can take a step forward this year. Now you're looking at a BYU receiver group that looks good, not just serviceable, not just good enough to win a few games, but they look like weapons. And that is a really big deal. So good early feedback for Cody Epps. Okay. 
uh, we're going to move on to recruiting. There was some recruiting news this week, but before we get into the specifics of the news, allow me to go on a little bit of a rant. If you're new to the show when you're not currently a subscriber at Cougar Sports Insider, then this is new information to you. If you are a subscriber to Cougar Sports Insider, you know that I have had a long-standing policy that I will not break the story of a commitment. I will not. I just won't do it. Why? Because that's not my story to tell. This isn't me as some journalist that's getting a scoop about a, a coaching change that might be coming and I'm breaking the story. No, this is a, a high school kid who gets a scholarship offer, makes a decision of where he's going to go. This is something he has worked for his entire life. This is a dream come true. This is something that so many of us wanted to do our entire lives but couldn't do, and these kids get to do it. That is in no way my story to tell. There was some back and forth between me and others on Twitter this week because news of a potential commitment broke from a source who was not that player. That bothers me. That bothers me. It is not my story to tell. It's not somebody else in the media's story to tell. Now, that changes. If that kid says, hey, look, I don't care. I don't care. You go tell my story because I'm not going to, you know, I'm not doing a hat ceremony. I don't, I don't have a tweet planned. I don't have a cool edit that I want to share. You go ahead and break my story, Jeff. Now, that changes it. That changes the game. But unless that is expressly written down, you know, in a text message or something, I will not break that story because I can't. It's not my story to tell. If I'm doing my job over at Cougar Sports Insider and here on this podcast, we're going to talk about recruits, and we will give hints of where we think guys are leaning. We will talk about crystal ball predictions, where we think they're going to go, who's leading for what recruit. By the time that kid commits or any given kid commits, it should not be a surprise. If I'm doing my job, it shouldn't be a surprise. Maybe I'm not the first reporter to talk about it. Maybe there's somebody else who goes public with it first or beats me to an article. But if I'm doing my job, it's not going to surprise anybody who's following along. But I will not break the, that commitment news before a player does. Now, the player in question the player that was the subject of the Twitter to back and forth that I had this week. I've been talking with him this morning. And to keep it short and sweet, uh, I talked about how, hey, look, I'm not going to scoop you. I'm not going to break any stories. And he said, yes, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's not my story to tell. So just so you know, this is for recruiting and the coverage of recruiting in my mind, is for the kids. Yes, it's a little bit of a side hustle for me. Yes, it's a career for a lot of my colleagues, but it is not my story to tell. It's theirs. It's the culmination of all of their hard work, all of their dreams coming true. I am not going to spoil that for them. So just so everybody knows. Now, one commit did go public this week, Bentley Redden, 
Bentley Redden, big time tight end prospect. And really, he's more than that. He could play defensive end. He could play linebacker. He could play wide receiver. He's probably going to play tight end. He wants to play tight end. And he's a big time tight end prospect out of San Clemente High School. He committed to BYU this week, son of Matt Redden, former BYU defensive lineman. He's coming out of one of the best tight end schools in the country. Tight, uh, San Clemente High School has produced tight ends like Cole Fotheringham at Utah, Isaac Rex at BYU. This is a tight end powerhouse. And Bentley Redden is just next in line, had offers from the likes of Virginia, Tennessee, Arizona State. He had some big-time programs that were after him. He decided to come to BYU. I was able to catch up with Bentley this morning, and we did a quick interview. We're going to play that sound for you now and allow you to hear straight from the horse's mouth why Bentley committed to BYU and what it was that made made things so special, that made BYU such a special place for him that he elected to to go to Provo ahead of schools like Tennessee, Virginia, and other Power 5 programs. We'll play that sound now. Okay, joined next by Bentley Redden here on the Give Em Hell Brigham Show. A lot of recruiting talk today, a lot of fun. And Bentley Redden really is the talk of the week right now for BYU fans Big-time tight end prospect, and really, we're going to talk about that. Maybe I shouldn't even call you just a tight end prospect. Big-time athlete that can play a lot of different positions, commits to BYU this week. That's a big deal. Bentley, what was that like? What was the recruiting process like for those of us who have to experience recruiting from behind a microphone because we weren't good enough to actually be recruited? What's it like? It was awesome. I mean, it was definitely different during covid that changed a lot of things. I think coaches had more time to look at film, review players. But it was a really awesome experience. I got to know a lot of coaches, got to build a lot of good relationships, and it was just awesome. That's cool. Really- so w- was it tough to not be able to go on visits, or did you do, like, virtual visits? Or how, how does that process work during COVID? And- yeah, um, I was planning to do visits in the summer, but obviously those got canceled, which is a bummer. I didn't want to see some other schools, but ultimately it all worked out. I did, I did do some virtual visits, but um, not too many. What were those like? I mean, is that just like sitting on a Zoom call and the coach kind of walks around the facilities? Or is it, I mean, yeah. do they try to do it up so that it's fancy? What do they do? Um, basically, just a Zoom call, showing around the campus. Nothing too, nothing too fancy. Okay, cool. Well, that's awesome, man. We're excited to have you as part of the BYU family. You've already been part of the BYU family. Your dad obviously played at BYU. What's that like to follow in his footsteps? Was he excited? Was you know Did that play a role in the decision at all? Or uh, did he kind of let you do your own thing and you were going to get to make your own decision? Uh, he definitely let me do my own thing. He was – he'd be happy with whatever, whatever I chose. But obviously, I have a big connection to the school – been watching them ever since I was little and I just felt that it was the right place for me that's awesome man and so now what now you're now you're committed is the have the coaching holy cow has the coaching staff uh talked to you at all about you know starting to recruit others try to get them to commit anything like that um not yet um I've been talking to coach Roderick coach Clark coach Talkie, just over text you know a little bit here and there how about how excited they are to have me and how excited I am to be a cougar that's awesome man all right so we, we we know a little bit about bentley the recruit 
tell us a little bit about you, man. What do you like to do? I mean, you're sitting outside in sunny California. Life looks perfect right now. Uh, what do you do out there in California, man? What are your favorite subjects at school? What do you do for fun? You know, all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I can't complain. Living in Southern California, it's pretty awesome. But um, obviously, I like football, basketball. Played those in high school. Super fun. Um, so my favorite subject is math. Um, I'm a big math guy. Oh, man. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know there were people that actually enjoyed math. I've heard, like, rumors that people existed, but I've never met one in real life that actually yeah. enjoys math. I don't know if I enjoy it, but I'm good <laughs> at it, so. Oh, there you go. That's awesome. So you play down there in Southern California at San Clemente High School in the Trinity League, one of the best leagues uh, of high school football in the country. San Clemente is – it's a tight end pipeline, man. I mean, I'm thinking guys like Isaac Rex, who's going to be your teammate, uh, Cole Fotheringham, uh, you know, even Travis Wilson. He played quarterback while he was in high school, but he ended up being in the NFL as a tight end. You're next in line. How does that feel? Those are some pretty big shoes to follow. Yeah, no, it's crazy. We definitely had a lot of great tight ends pass through, pass through our school. I mean, obviously we have great coaches, and it's just awesome to be a part of that, that um, pipeline. What is it about San Clemente, do you think? Is it just kind of the area and tight ends just happen to live there, or is it something about the offense, the coaching staff, that makes tight ends want to play there? What do you think it is? Honestly, all the, all the great tight ends that have come through our school are all hometown boys. We all grew up here, went through the program, starting as freshmen just grew through the program like that that's really, really cool. cool that is really yeah. cool we mentioned isaac rex i know that you guys uh, that you have a, a friendship with the rex family preston rex I, I got to know him really well in fact i was at where was i i was at a camp in vegas a couple of years ago uh preston was there and and his dad byron rex another you know byu tight end a legend he was there and Kyle, this was before BYU had offered. This might have even been before BYU was really uh, seriously starting to recruit you. And Byron just started to swear that, hey, this Redden kid, he's like 15 years old. He's the truth. This is, this is the guy you need to watch out for. And he was super excited about it. And lo and behold, here you are now. Uh, tell me a little bit about that relationship with the Rex family. Are you guys as close as it, as it felt like when I talked with Byron that day, or was he just in love with Bentley, the football player, couldn't get enough about it? No, yeah, we're super close family friends. I mean, our dads went to college together. I grew up with Preston my whole life. We've been super close friends. I, I played through him with, through Pop Warner High School, and we've been together forever. That's really super cool. That's really. Are you gonna follow Preston's path? I mean, I think Preston is. Uh, he's. He just. I think he just left on a mission, right? He already left last week. Well, sometime this month, if I remember right. Is that right? Yeah, he's in the MTC right now. Okay. And are you gonna follow that same path? You think of graduate high school, go on a mission, or are you thinking you might want to play a year first? Nah, I think I'm gonna go on mission first. Very good. Go on a mission, get back, play four straight years. I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've talked a lot about tight end. Um, you can play a lot of different positions, and I know that some of the schools who offered you were looking at you to play on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, does it sound like it's a tight end? That's where you're going to be at BYU? Have they talked about some of those other positions? What What are they kind of thinking? Um, it's still a little bit up in the air, but I've been talking with Coach Roddick a lot, and he definitely wants me on the offensive side of the ball at tight end, which I'm super stoked about. Yeah, is that where you'd want to play if it was up to you 100%? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Awesome, man. 
Well, good stuff. Bentley, I'm excited about this. So what was it? The last question I'll ask you, what was it about BYU? Obviously, there's the longstanding connections. Uh, you've grown up a fan, but I know that there were some other schools that really made you a priority. At the end of the day, what was it about BYU that stood out and made it clear in your mind that that was the place you wanted to be? Um, I would say the coaching staff was a big part. I have a lot of great relationships with them. Um, I know Kalani, he's creating an awesome family environment for his team, which is super awesome, kind of hard to find. But um, Coach Roderick, he's doing some great things with the offense. And I know the next couple of years is going to be a powerhouse offensive school. And, yeah, I know it's going to be a great team, and I just want to be a part of that. Awesome, man. Well, hey, we appreciate you hopping on with us today, taking a few minutes out of your day. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best of luck with the mission, with BYU, and everything that lies in front of you. Really excited to watch it all play out. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, that was Bentley Redden. Really appreciate him hopping on and talking with us. Uh, I was on that call with him. We did a Zoom call, and I could see him you know, sitting out, I don't know if it was his backyard, his front yard, but sitting out in sunny Southern California, and I immediately got jealous. Uh, he's leaving that life, that Southern California lifestyle, to come to Provo and play football, and you heard him. He feels like that's a family environment that he can thrive in, feels like it's a place that he can survive. He, he's excited about the potential of the offense. He thinks it's going to be a powerhouse offense. There's a lot of people who are really optimistic about what the BYU offense does this year. The way that they perform this year could be a platform onto a really, into a, a big couple of years. Could give us some insight into, okay, Jeff Grimes has his offensive line. He's got quarterback depth. This is what he's capable of doing. Bentley Redden has bought into that vision, and I'm excited to see how that plays out this year. I think the offense is going to be great. And I think that Bentley Redden, when he does get here, you're going to see the role. You'll see the role this year that Bentley will play in a couple of years after he returns from his mission. It's that Matt Bushman role. It's going to be Isaac Rex. It's going to be Bentley Hanshaw. There are going to be tight ends who have great success in the offense this year. That's where you could pencil in Bentley Redden, and I think he's going to have great success. His hands are great. His athleticism is great. He is one of the most intriguing of the tight ends, of all of the tight ends of BYU's pipeline. Rex, uh, Hanshaw, you know, all the names that we've talked about. Bentley Redden is the, I think he is the best true pass catcher of that bunch. And that's exciting for BYU fans to see. Uh, so Bentley Redden, really glad that he, he took the time out of his day to hop on and talk with us today. Uh, really excited for his future, both as a missionary and as a future Cougar in the football program. Uh, congratulations on the commitment. That's a really big deal. Now, we're not done talking recruiting. Garrett's not here. I'm a recruiting guy. That's what I do is I cover recruiting, and Garrett's not here to stop me. So we've heard from Bentley Redden, but I caught up with another big-time BYU recruit, Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart, he's the only quarterback in the 2021 class who has an offer from BYU. We're in, we're in August almost, folks, and only one quarterback has an offer from BYU. That tells me 
that the Cougars coaching staff has identified Jackson Dart as the guy they want more than anybody. There might be other players who are highly rated. There might be players who are interested, but Dart is the only one that BYU has invested an offer into. He's the only one that they're actively recruiting right now. That should tell you something about who Jackson Dart is and the type of talent that he has. So I caught up with Jackson. Uh, we were able to record an interview. We're going to play that sound now, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what I think Jackson brings to the table in a little bit afterwards. Okay, joining us next on Give Em Hell Brigham is the only 2021 quarterback recruit to receive an offer from BYU. Uh, you don't normally get to say that uh, at this point in the recruiting class, but BYU's identified one quarterback they want, Corner Canyon's Jackson Dart. Jackson, how are you doing today, ma'am? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, hey, a lot of BYU fans know who you are. I think a lot of you know high school football fans in the state of Utah know who you are. Uh, you created a lot of waves when you made the transfer to Corner Canyon and joined the powerhouse up there. What was that like? What kind of went into that decision that led you to go from Roy up to uh, Corner Canyon? Yeah, so um, I had a great <clears throat> three years at Roy, um, playing for uh, arguably the best coach in the state, Coach Fernandez. Um, yeah, I love my time up there. Um, but it just came down to uh, offensive scheme. And um, it was a really hard decision for me and my family just because we were so close with the community and Coach Fernandez. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, we both – my family, me, and Coach Fernandez felt like this was the best thing for me to do to transfer to Corner Canyon and uh, <clears throat> kind of showcase my skills with the talent that I have around me at Corner and uh, playing for Coach Care. So uh, it was really tough, but <clears throat> at the same time, right now, I'm, I'm super pumped where I'm at and uh, I'm ecstatic to get, to get started, get our first game and uh, show out. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've picked two, I mean, arguably the two best coaches in the state in Freddie and Coach Care. Uh, I'm an old Clearfield guy. Back before Syracuse opened up and Clearfield went, you know, just really started to suck and everything. Uh, so I remember when Freddie was up at Northridge and Clearfield and uh, Clearfield and Northridge had a rivalry. And, man, it was just – it was brutal because Coach Freddie, man, he just – he knows his stuff. And now to go up to Coach Care and, and play for the powerhouse that, that it is at Corner Canyon – what, what's it like? I mean, maybe what are some of the differences that you've seen in your, I mean, obviously you haven't started getting into the season yet at Corner Canyon, but just in practices and workouts and stuff, kind of compare and contrast those two programs and maybe those two coaching styles. Yeah. Um, I feel super grateful, obviously, because I've been, uh, I'm going to have the chance to play with two of the best coaches that the state has ever seen. Um, I wouldn't say much as, really different between the two both are are super competitive competitive coaches and um, really smart at what they do so they're always setting our team up for um for the best that we can play or get us in the best situations that 
we can be in to be successful. Um, maybe I would say that Draper and Roy, like the communities are different. So we'll have more participation with kids in Draper than in Roy, but, um, both are super similar in how they coach. And, uh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, you're learning for the best, getting prepared for the college level. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. You've got a mess of offers right now. And I know that there's a bunch of schools that are already, you know, they're talking to you right now and could be offering soon. What does it look like on the recruitment front, man? Who are you hearing from the most? Maybe are there any schools that are standing out above others or anything like that? Uh, yeah. So I've, I've been in, my recruiting has been, I would say pretty late to come. Um, but with what I have right now, I'm, I'm super grateful. And uh, I would say that BYU's, BYU's my top school right now. Um, and I could really see myself playing there. I've, I've been able to have a good relationship with their coaching staff. Um, and I, I know Zach Wilson really well. And I know that I know how he sees himself in the offense. And he says that, he could see me doing the exact same thing. So um, I would say BYU is my top school right now. Um, is that tough for your he, dad to hear when you say something like that, you know, with all that youth blood that he has in him? Yeah. Um, I think as the recruiting process has gone on, he knows that, you know, he'll always be a, a you, but at the same time, he, he knows that it's business. So you got to choose the best place for you. So he understands that and um, he can, so, um, but I think he'll be, he'll be totally fine with it. That's awesome. And it's funny that you're close with Zach and you, you talk about some of the similarities and, you know, Zach's dad playing at the U as well. I mean, just the similarities there are, there's a lot of similarities. Um, and you bring up Zach and I actually, I had this on my list of things I wanted to ask you uh, a little bit later, but you brought it up. So let's, let's talk about it now. I know that you've trained a lot with Zach in the off season and you've trained a lot with John Beck. Those are, I mean, Zach is on his way to becoming a BYU legend and John Beck is firmly entrenched as a BYU legend. Now, when you see Jackson Dart, do you see more John Beck in the way you play the game or do you see more Zach Wilson in the way you play the game? Ooh, that's a tough question I'd probably say a little bit of a mix between the two I think that's the best answer Um, that's the safest answer anyway yeah yeah (laughs) Um, yeah I would say I'm a little bit of a mix of both Um, they both have huge playmaking abilities which I feel that I have and and we all can extend the play so I feel like there's so many similarities that we all have we're yeah, we're, we're all super similar. That's awesome. What's it like working out with those two? I got to imagine knowing how hard each of them works, those workouts are pretty intense. Yeah. Um, you know, the workouts are great, and um, I'm able to learn a lot with John. But at the same time, I'm, I'm getting a lot of mental reps with me being around both of them, and we'll, we'll talk through different scenarios or um, coverages to different concepts. So I would say like the biggest thing is when I'm with them, I can, I can improve my knowledge on the game probably a little bit more than um, my physical part of it. 
but it's super it's it's a blast when I'm with them just because you know I'm playing with the BYU starter right now and a BYU legend so it's it's a blast that's awesome that's awesome. And those two, when it comes to those mental reps, man, those are two of the most cerebral quarterbacks that BYU's had in a long time. Uh, right. It's it's tough to find better teachers for that that mental rep, learning, reading defenses, things like that. Uh, so you mentioned BYU standing out right now in your recruitment. Is it mostly Coach Roderick that you're working with, or do you hear from kind of a flurry of all the BYU coaches? Yeah, so I probably hear the most from Coach Roderick, but I am also in – super close contact with coach Grimes. Um, and then the coaches, the rest of the coaching staff, they send me letters and stuff. So I would say that it's mostly those two, but I hear from a lot of the other ones as well. A little bit of everybody. What are, yeah. what are those like? So take, you know, BYU fans, we get to see coach Roderick in like with his media hat on and they're really mm -hmm. straightforward and they, you know, they stay in the vanilla just answer the bare minimum question that they have to answer. We don't get to learn a ton about their personality. What are those coaches like? And especially coach A-Rod, I think that we see a little bit more of Jeff Grimes as fans, but we don't get to see a ton of A-Rod. What's he like when he's not just trying to walk the line and get out of an interview? Yeah. So A-Rod's for sure. He's a businessman. So um, it's all, it's all serious and all that stuff. When we're talking football, but at the same time, what I've learned is he's also super open. So um, he's probably been the most honest coach with me through my recruiting process. Just, um, you know, how they see me as a player, see me in, um, in their QB room and that stuff. So he's, he's a super open guy and he's super detailed at what he does. And that's, that's what makes him really good at what he does as well. So, um, but at the same time, when, like I said, when it's, when it's business, he's, he's straightforward and serious. That's awesome. Hey, uh, so moving on from football, just a couple more questions before we let you go. Tell us a little bit about Jackson Dart, the person. I know that you play baseball and that you're a pretty darn good baseball player and probably could play at the college level if you wanted to. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Is that maybe something that could be on the horizon is, you know, doing a little Jaron Hall and playing some of both, or is that kind of off the table at this point? What are you thinking there? Um, yeah, I love baseball. I've been my whole life. I've been a huge baseball kid. Um, I think it's really hard to do both and play quarterback, but football's always been my favorite. So I would say about the last two years I've kind of made football my priority um but I, I love baseball and that's one of my passions as well I think that's a wise choice I was a baseball guy growing up and uh I mean listen I had to pay for college right so making the yeah. choice to go for football that just that makes sense yeah. so tell us a, a little bit more about just you who you are what are some of your hobbies favorite subject in school you know that kind of stuff uh, you know maybe things that most people don't know about you and really, maybe even your future Corner Canyon classmates that don't know about you. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I would say that I'm someone who, who loves to have fun. Um, I'm super, I'm, I'm really driven by, by athletics. Um, but at the same time, I'm a big outdoorsman. I love to, I love to fish. I love to hunt. Um, I love to play a little bit of some pickleball and <laughs> And uh, I would say I love pickleball. Pickleball is 
something that really drives me as well. I, I can't lose to any of my siblings or anybody when I'm on that, on the pickleball court. Um, yeah, I just, I, I would just say that I love to have fun with my friends um, and just get outside. I don't, I'm not really an indoor person, so I like to get out and go. There you go. Awesome, man. Well, Jackson, I appreciate you taking the time hopping on with us today. I know, uh, I don't know how much you see, you know, BYU fans on social media or whatever, but I see a lot of it. And I know that they are keenly watching you this year. Uh, there's a lot of excitement about the potential of another Corner Canyon quarterback uh, continuing that pipeline, making the, your way to Provo and, and doing big things. So a lot of eyes on you this year. Really excited to watch you play. I just appreciate you hopping on with us today, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, and, uh, yeah, go Cougs. Okay. Oh, man, what a fun interview that was with Jackson. What an awesome kid. Uh, both of these guys that we interviewed today, Bentley Redden and Jackson Dart, really fun kids to get to know, to talk to, really bright futures ahead of them. I think that Jackson, he's unquestionably – the best high school quarterback in the state of Utah this year. And I think that he, his recruitment, he, he mentioned it in his interview that his recruitment has taken off, started a little slow. I think his recruitment ultimately plays out a lot like Zach Wilson's did. Zach Wilson was committed to Boise state for, for months and the offers never really came, but then he had a big senior season and he started to get big time offers. Schools like Iowa offered him. You know, some Power 5 programs came in. BYU offered it. In the end, he came to BYU, and that was great. But his recruitment, just it was that slow build. And he signed early, Zach Wilson did. Had Zach not signed in December, and he waited until February, there would have been more Power 5 offers that came. I think Jackson Dart is on that same kind of trajectory. His arm talent is too special to not have more scholarship offers come. This kid's arm, he can make any throw today at the college level. Now, like any high school quarterback, he's got to take those mental reps that he talked about. He's got to get better at reading defenses. That's what any high school quarterback is going to have to do as they transition to the next level. He is a better athlete. He's not a true pocket passer that's, that's just a statue back there. But uh, he's not, you know, he's not going to be uh, – even probably Zach Wilson in terms of his mobility. He's certainly not a Jaron Hall. He's a, he's a passer. He's got a big arm, but he's, at, he's athletic. He reminds me a little bit of like a, a guy like Jacob Fromm. Uh, not a statue, but not super mobile, but good enough to make some plays. But the thing I like about Jackson Dart is that when he's scrambling and he's using that athleticism that is often overlooked, he's looking to pass the ball. He's not looking to break a Taysom Hill-style 45-yard touchdown run where he hurdles over a defender. He is looking to create a little bit more time so that he can throw the ball downfield. And he does that really, really well. He's going to put up monster numbers at Corner Canyon this year. Really excited to see him during his senior year. I think it's going to be a platform for him to reel in more scholarship offers. But you heard him talk about it. BYU is his number one school right now. I think even with some big P5s, BYU will remain his number one school. I think Utah, if Utah were to come in late and offer a scholarship to Jackson, 
that maybe changes the game. We talked about it a little bit, Jackson and I. His dad, Brandon Dart, played at Utah for, you know, during his college career. They've grown up Utah fans. That could play a role. You know, a Utah offer could be a game changer. But short of that, you know, I think a lot of P5 schools could come in and offer Jackson Dart. And I think BYU would still, like it was with Zach Wilson, would still hold a lot of weight. And ultimately, I think the Cougars are in a very, very good spot. So really appreciate Jackson Dart coming on, talking with us. We'll give him a pass for not identifying whether he's John Beck or Zach Wilson. Really fun interview. Really talented kid. Really bright future for BYU football if Jackson Dart is on board. And like I say, I think BYU is in a good spot for Dart right now. This has been a fun show. It's been different. By myself, I miss my co-host. There's no question about that. But we got through it. You got through it with me. Thank you for sticking through and writing this out uh, with just me unhinged. An unmitigated and unhinged Jeff Hansen is something that only my wife can bear. But you guys bore it today. Thank you very much for joining. As always, please subscribe. Please rate the podcast. Please leave a review. I know every podcast you've ever listened to says that, but it really does help. We have one five-star review that we want to read today. It's from Keel BYU, and the, uh, the title of the review is, As a brisket and topping lover kind of guy, dot, dot, dot. The review says, This show has some opinions that made me question my own taste in food. While I may have been convinced about tri-tip, I'm still waiting for a life-changing cheese pizza. Wait, is this a food show or a sports show? You know, surprisingly, that happens a lot. We do get confused for a food show instead of a sports show, but deal with it. The review continues, the analysis given regarding recruits in the pipeline, existing circumstances of the team, and all things Cougs, these guys are good. One day, they may even sound comfortable saying hell one day. Hashtag beat Bama. You know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I went on a podcast with, uh, it was the Ute Zone Blockcast a few days, uh, I guess several months ago, it was last year. And they had to use the explicit label after I was on the show because I got going on a rant and apparently I said, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't one of the big words, but I said one of the words that makes, that Apple requires somebody to make it an explicit label. And I felt bad about it. It was the first time that the Ute Zone Blockcast had to use that label when the BYU guy came onto the show. So we've tried to go out of our way, make sure this is a family-friendly program. I think we're comfortable saying hell, but maybe we sound a little weird. Garrett, we got to work on that, man. We got to make the title of our show sound normal. Thank you again, Keel BYU, for the five-star review. Please rate the show. Five stars only. That's what we require around here. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining. And give them hell this week.